Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters with another exciting episode of Asheville Food Fans. It's a podcast that I record throughout the week and then I put it together for broadcast on WPVM 103.7 FM, the voice of Asheville, broadcasting to the world. All right, everybody, welcome to another show. I have got a good one for you this week. A couple of interviews, a new segment about sobriety within the food industry. Uh, if you're not interested in that topic, go ahead and skip over it. But uh, it's something the, the sober community has kind of asked me to be kind of out and loud and proud about this topic. And so I've developed a new segment. And I hope you enjoy the first installation. Uh, but before we get to any of that, I want to talk about some things that we talked about last week. Uh, namely, that I have a couple of corrections for one thing. Uh, first of all, I accidentally left the little bumper in that said um, this is an encore presentation. It was not. If you listened on the radio, you might have heard that this was a encore presentation it was not it was a new episode and also uh just want to say that i think i misused the word poke about a million times uh and i i'm pretty fast and loose with the word poke tuna poke i say it i think i just like to say it but uh the, the i use it too much and i apologize for that i'm terrible about saying words i'm not good at it um, and uh, and also other things I want to talk about are the trip we took to Black Mountain, which I'll get to later in the podcast, and my efforts to get Tubby, the Duke's Mayonnaise mascot, to come to Asheville. And let's talk about that right now. I have a very important ally. I actually have two very important allies in these efforts of mine to bring Tubby to Asheville. Firstly, I have Asheville Food and Beverage United and Jen Hampton. So the folks at a AFBU, thank you for being behind my efforts to bring Tubby, the giant unhinged tub of mayonnaise to Asheville. Um, and now I have Ingalls. Ingalls supermarket chain is on my side and they, uh, they reached out to me. Y'all know I'm friends with Leah McGrath. Uh, we I interviewed her just a couple of weeks ago, and Leah reached out to me and said, maybe Ingalls would be into this campaign. And I was like, oh, my God, that would be so awesome. And she made things happen, man. And Ingalls is on our side, folks. And that's a big deal because that means that we've got some actual real people behind this, not just me. Like if it's just me, who cares? But uh, Ingalls is a big deal. And so all of that's going on in the background. And I did start my petition. So please uh, sign my petition. I'll provide a link when I post this episode as a um, podcast. But for now, you can go to actionnetwork.org petitions slash bring dash tubby dash to dash Asheville. Sorry, that's a long 
uh, long title there. I, I don't think I put all those dashes in. It's Spring Tubby to Asheville, but make sure you put a dash in between each word. Actionnetwork.org slash petitions slash bring Tubby to Asheville. Use those dashes. Um, and sign my petition. The more of us that want Tubby to come here, the better. And I'll keep you updated on this. And uh, what what are my motives for bringing Tubby to Asheville? Well, I think that we need to do something fun for our city and we need some civic pride. And if we can get, and I've, I've written to Dukes, just to update you, like recap, I've written, I wrote to Dukes. I said I wanted to, I asked what it would it take to bring Tubby to Asheville. They said, it's probably not going to happen. But maybe it'll happen. Tubby senses love. And I was like, uh, mis- mixed messages, but I'm not going to lose hope. I'm going to make this effort. So I wrote back to Dukes and they uh, and, and I said, well, like, really, what's it going to take? And I'll tell you what things are happening. Things are happening. So get excited. Sign my petition. Google up Tubby, the mascot for Dukes. Get a look at this crazy thing. And let's bring Tubby to Asheville. Can I get a chant going? Let's bring Tubby to Asheville. Uh, I'll leave it up to you guys to chant the rest of that out. So, all right, enjoy this next segment uh, and the rest of the show, and I'll check back in with you and talk to you about part of our trip to Black Mountain. There was so much great food that I'm going to have to do that in a couple of different segments. All right, folks, I'll talk to you soon, like in two seconds. All right, everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the food fan, and I am here in West Asheville, and I am eating at Tasty Diner. We are doing a whole menu tasting of the new dinner menu. Everything from mussels to a whole fish to, I don't know, cheese boards, and I'm here with... Yeah, I'm here with Chef Stephen Goff. Hey, Stephen, thanks for having us in, man. Good, thanks for coming in. Sure thing. It's always nice to see you and see all my friends in the press. We got Jonathan Ammons here, Tiana from Citizen Times, Lucho from Multicultural, and Andy from uh, Mountain Express. So a full crew here feeding us all. (laughs) Tell us something about the dinner menu and how it's different from your lunch menu. Yeah, we wanted, you know, uh, I wanted to really keep Tasty Diner true to what it was for breakfast and lunch, you know. Uh, or as close to that as, as we could and still modify it and move into, you know, a, a more, a newer time. Okay. <laughs> you yeah. know, because, you know, let's face it, while your rent has gone up, so has the rent on our restaurants. Yes. So is the food and labor that we put into them. So, you know, some of the, some of the lunch menu items had, had to be changed a bit too, just because I like to pay my staff a living wage. I like sure. to take care of them and I like to support our local farmers and artists and to do that it costs money yeah uh so we kept lunch and breakfast pretty straightforward and then with dinner we really just wanted to like flex and have fun and create just a really cool loungy menu and area you know like when we were building out the space you know we'd get off every night and after painting or whatever and we'd we'd sit here and have beers and we'd just watch the sunset over haywood road and it was just like the nicest thing so Especially like over a, like a bottle of natural wine or like you know a really nice little small plate or 
you know, we also kept on all day long. We always have the burgers, the wings, and the bodega sandwiches. So you always have a breakfast sandwich at any given moment here at Tasty. That's great. So if you wanted, you can come in and get caviar service, a charcuterie board, and a liver mush sandwich. That's awesome, man. But, yeah. And the, the caviar service, speaking of that, was actually some of the best I've had um, ever. Because, first of all, it came with the little bellinis. You don't see that too often. So you got super old school with the tiny pancakes. Um, tell us about your philosophy behind your caviar service. Well, I'm just a huge francophile, and and I, I just love, like, re- I, I love fish eggs, for one, but I uh-huh. love, like, I love classical French things, you know, so that's why we had to have the blinis. It has to be the blinis for me, you know, that's why Escoffier is in the dining room, you know, because... I am a massive French food nerd. Yeah. And uh, and also, though, there's not many other places that I can get caviar service. So I was like, we'll do it here, and that way when I want it, me and my wife can come here. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's the way to do it. Make the food you like, and you'll, you'll always be happy, right? I mean, I always feel like that's how you make good food to begin with, is make the food you love, and uh-huh. it will shine for you. I agree. You know? I agree. Um, so, yeah, people should come on down for the caviar service for sure. And then uh, my favorite dish tonight so far has been the mussels. And they're PEI mussels, big, fat, orange mussels. They look great. They taste great. Tell us a little bit about your broth. It was so delicious. Yeah, we take, we sh- we take our shaved pickled garlic, sweat it down in an ungodly amount of butter and herbs. And then we hit it with some King Cobra malt liquor, reduce that malt liquor down a bit. It adds some nice sweetness, some little almost pseudo hoppiness in there, maltiness, and then the mussels. And then once they release their juice, that nice saltiness. I mean, we don't even add salt to it, and it's pretty briny as is. It is briny and yeah. delicious and some of the best mussels I've had this year. I'm keeping track of everything I'm eating this year and keeping track of the best things. And I don't mind telling you and the world that your mussels are an instant contender for mussels of the year. One of, my, one of my awards that I give every year. I mean, it's served with owl bread to sop it up, and that's the best bread in the city. So. I was about to mention the bread, <laughs> the owl bread loaded with butter, and there was also some city bakery bread involved, and yep. that was delicious. And do you recall what kinds of bread those were? Was the city bakery a, a grit uh, bread? The city, was... city bakery bread is a sprouted wheat, okay. and then the, it's a seeded loaf, a seeded Levon loaf from owl that we use for the owl. They were both super good and loaded with butter. You didn't skimp on the butter on any of this. I don't ever do that. No, not skimping (laughs) on any butter at Tasty Diner. And um, talk about the whole fish a little bit, and then I'll let you get going back to the kitchen. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite things that that me and my wife do when we go out is Korean barbecue. So I love the banchan, all the little side dishes you get served. You know, and you get your you get your meat, you get your side dishes. So I kind of wanted to play on that, you know. And, and plus, there's a lot of really great whole fish that you can fry up that are bycatch, highly sustainable fish. They're not overfished. They're delicious. People don't know about them because they don't make great fillets. They're best to be served as a whole fish. Uh, so we fried that up in a little cornmeal and dre- and flour dredge, and uh, serve it with some marinated mung sprouts, marinated cucumber slaw, tater salad. You know, kind of southerned up our banchan a little bit. Uh, and the banchan will always be rotational, too, and so will the fish. So okay. I think we're actually moving into pompano, and right now we have rose fish. And all of our fish are sourced from local seafood, and they are, that's the name of the company. Okay. And they are all North Carolina seafood. That's good to know. And one last thing, Stephen, you are open, uh, you said you're open certain hours this week, starting seven hour, days a week next week. 
And you mentioned that you always like to be open on Mondays and in between service for the service industry. Mondays and Tuesdays and in between all shifts because that's, you know, for me coming up as a cook or a server, I've been both actually. Uh, that's our time when we can eat, you know, we're between shifts. It really sucks to like serve people all day and, and you'd never have anywhere to go eat on your day off or in between shifts. So we make sure that we are that space for you if you so desire. That's always been a great part of your business model, no matter which restaurant you've had. You're always paying special attention to the industry that you're a part of. Mm-hmm. And I know that they all appreciate you for it. So thank you for everything you do, Stephen. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, here at Food Fan Headquarters with the special guest today, a man named Brad Smith, who is the owner of a company called Infruction, uh, carbonated tea in a can. And I have run into Brad a couple of times. First time at Tasty Diner, he saw me sitting with some of my friends eating, and he came over, introduced himself, and laid some of his tea on us. And it was me, Patty Riles from Asheville Food Tours, and James Sutherland from Blue Dream Curry House. And we shared these teas, and they were all awesome. And then I recently ran into Brad again in Black Mountain when I was there. And it was great. I was in Black Mountain. And more than once, I heard somebody yell out my name, hey, Stu. (laughs) And this time I turned around and there was Brad delivering tea in his truck. Hey, Brad, how are you today? Good morning, Stu. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Thanks. Good, good, man. It's a real nice day here in Asheville. You, you live here in Asheville, Brad, or you live over there? In I Black do, Mountain? yeah. I moved here in 04 after college and okay. have bounced around, but always end up bouncing back. So, yeah, cool. I've been, been here for almost 20 years. Yeah, I think that um, that morning I saw you, I had such a fresh batch, it was still cold. We were We were canning 20 minutes before I left the brewery, so you got a cold freshie. That's right. I'm cold freshy. I love it. Yeah, you told me this was just brewed 20 minutes ago. And it was a delicious tea, man. Like I, I'm a fan of your tea. Um, and you gave me the blueberry Thanks. citrus, I believe. It was a yeah, that's right. Citrus sparkling yerba mate. And we'll get back to what the heck a yerba mate is in a minute. But um, so you, you carry three kinds of tea: the blueberry citrus sparkling yerba mate. And what are the other two? The other one is also actually a yerba mate, which is agave lime flavor. And then we have a blood orange sparkling Earl Grey. That's great. And they were all three delicious with Stephen, or I'm sorry, with uh, Patty and James. We tried all three and they were great. Awesome. Uh, Thank you. They're they're sweet without being too sweet. They are, they have a little, some of them have a little bit of sour without being too sour. And uh, from what I understand, Brad, they're caffeinated. Is that correct? They are. Yeah. My my M.O. is loose leaf caffeinated teas infused with real fruit um, to create, you know, a good, complex, bold flavor that give you a nice energy boost without the jitters of coffee or some of those um, artificial energy drinks that Mm you know, make you crash. And yeah, not too sugary, just enough sweetness to keep you from puckering your lips when you drink the lime or the lemon. Right, right. <laughs> or, or even the blood orange, which can be a slightly sour yeah. fruit as well. <laughs> That's right. 
Um, and I, I don't drink alcohol anymore, but I can imagine that these would make nice mixers with, with alcohol as well. And then you'd have sort of a caffeinated alcoholic beverage and that yeah. sounds pretty good to me. Absolutely. They're, they're kind of pre-made for cocktails in a, in a way, if you, if you want to, I'm not a big drinker myself. My idea was, Hey, you know, I, I go out and when my friends have all these great cocktails or craft beers, I don't want to get stuck with seven up or the sweet tea that's been sitting in the urn since the lunch shift. You know, I want, I want something that's also on that level of, you know, craft quality. And that's what we go for it in fruition. Absolutely, man. You're, you're singing my song, speaking my language, because that's exactly how I feel. And I've been, I haven't had a drink in 12 years and that's a long enough time awesome. to know. Oh, thanks, man. I'd be bragging about that every chance I get. Um, <laughs> um, but that's that's a, a long time, and I've seen the evolution of what we can drink when we go out with our adult friends who are having alcoholic beverages. It, it started out with just soda, water, and lime, and then there were all these really tutti-frutti drinks that were offered to us for a while. And now it's kind of calming down into this mocktail era where you can get some pretty sophisticated flavors. And thankfully, there are companies like you, and I'll, I'll put you in the same category with a company I really respect, a local company called Devil's Foot Soda. Yeah, uh, I respect them as well. Yeah, good, great products. Drinks. Great, great drinks, great products. They're dry, they're not too sweet, and they're mm-hmm. really nice. So you and them, you're providing a real alternative for to the 7-Up that you mentioned, you know? Right. So thank you. Yeah. Is that part of yeah, your mission you. is to like fill that niche of people who don't want the yeah sweet. absolutely um just you know try to make something that's real tea not made from a bunch of extracts or artificial flavors you know our blueberry citrus tastes like blueberries because there are blueberries in it right yeah. um we use a real rosemary needles we only use loose leaf tea um we source locally and organic when we can. Our drinks are mostly organic. We uh, partner with several local producers. Uh, the honey in our blueberry citrus comes from farms in Franklin, North Carolina. We get that through Honey in the Hive in right. Riverville. Thank you for mentioning mm-hmm. the name of the place because I love to name any local and regional place that's contributing to our awesome food scene. Not yeah. just in the restaurants, but the products on the shelves. And we have so many products on the shelves these days. Yeah, Brother- Asheville has a great selection of local products, you know, not just beer, but the food and now the non-alcoholic drinks, too. Mm-hmm. Um, just lots of great options out there now. And I saw you uh, delivering stuff in Black Mountain. I think you were probably dropping some stuff off at the Blue Ridge Biscuit Company. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so you're doing your own distro and <laughs> tell me about you've owned this company for a couple of years. Uh, it's a pretty new company. So you're, you're hands on your grassroots. You're doing a lot of the work yourself. Tell me a little bit about what it's like to be you. What is it like to wake up in the morning? What's a day like for you? Well, um, it has changed quite a bit in the last couple months. We have a seven week old daughter here with us now named Sophie and she's been the joy of a lifetime. Um, you know, and the only price for admission is 
you never get to sleep. <laughs> um, but, but the tea, let's see, I guess a typical day, you know, wake up in the morning you check emails. Um, I really like to get out in the community and share my tea. You know, that's, uh, that's been how I advertise really, you know, I, I, I just go out, um, do some research, but, you know, living here since 04, I know a lot of places, there's always new ones popping up. Right. Yeah. And that's how, I think that's how we run into each other. We both kind of have that passion for getting out into the community, see what local entrepreneurs are doing. Um, I like to load up the cooler with some cold in fruition, uh, just go to some cafes, any of them that I haven't been to, hand out samples. We may have some deliveries, you know, um, and just, just getting out there with the tea, um, helping to spread it out. And yeah, I do most of the sales and distribution. We have started working with uh, Advantage Distributing in North Carolina. So our products are available across the state, also in South Carolina with Low Country Craft. Now cool. Tennessee too. So I do a lot of my own distribution here in Asheville, but um, we're starting to spread our footprint and the infruition seed is growing, start starting to sprout a bit. So it's really exciting. That is exciting. That's awesome. I didn't realize that you were getting over the state border and into some other areas, man. That's yeah, congratulations um, on that. Yeah, thanks. Pisgah Brewing, shout out. They have been such an amazing partner to work with, um, helped with getting our drinks off the ground. Um, you know, I worked for years for another Yerba Mate company and just always, I guess, had my own ideas. You know, um, I left in the very beginning of 2020, about three weeks before uh, the C word started, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, uh, that put, that put a, a, a slowdown on things, but we started brewing our teas um i like to say we even though sometimes i was i was kind of doing things by myself uh -huh. right but um my buddy matt down at mosaic cafe in the biltmore park uh gave me the keys to his cafe and said hey as long as you clean up you can brew your teas here at night after we're closed which meant sometimes i was drinking yerba mate all night long so i didn't, uh -huh. I didn't get much sleep those nights but right. we started out filling up greg's and uh kegs and growlers uh, at, in mosaic cafe um my buddy dave who founded pisgah brewing company uh got a hold of some of my tea and said hey these are tasty can we make them fizzy and put them in cans and uh that was that was kind of how we got started you know um, that's awesome man and and do you do your canning at pisgah at the pisgah yeah facility? we brew and can at pisgah um and and have since uh the beginning of 2021 okay yeah those guys are great awesome to work with i mean everything from you know managers helping me out uh hey i don't know how to get this <laughs> everything's been trial by fire right uh -huh. hey this guy in pennsylvania says he wants me to send some you know oh how do i get a packing slip right they're they're right. just always there to help you know um and seeing how everything is is done is really cool you know being intimate with the brewing process has really been a rewarding experience of course yeah being hands-on with your own company i mean that's one of the keys to success i believe yeah and 
So it's great you have a partner like Pisgah, like almost like a mentor or a big brother company or an exactly. older sibling company that can kind of guide you along. And that's that's a tremendous help. So I I would imagine that would be some advice you might give other people, like find that company that's kind of doing what you do, but not doing what you do. And you can Yeah, that's of, great. Almost yeah. almost like a journeyman, right? You know, that that process of apprenticeship to an extent, you know, that's great. And yeah, I think it's been good for in fruition and for Pisgah, you know, is um, get to see what that excitement of being new was like again for from their perspective. Right. Because yeah. this is their 18th year. Right. And then for me, knowing that um, I can see a, a direction or a path that feels proven in a sense. Uh -huh. Right. And that that definitely helps, you know, helps the whole process along. Yeah, definitely. When you can have sort of a vision for your future and you can see how uh, like literally a friend of yours, it sounds like, has had that sort of success with a similar product. Um, so that brings up, can people uh, visit the factory? You mentioned that they can schedule a visit to come see the production process. Is that Yeah, right? if they're interested in seeing uh, the facility, the best thing probably to do would be to reach out to Pisgah Brewing and schedule a tour. Um, I'm not 100% sure what their, their schedule is like. They just uh, opened up an outdoor beer garden. Okay. And I am pretty sure they do tours, but just to be sure, I would confirm it with them. Okay. Yeah. It seems yeah. like watching stuff get canned would be, well, it doesn't seem like I've seen it. I used to go into Bramari Brewing with food tours and sometimes they'd be having a canning day. And it was, it was a really fun process to watch. There's a lot of water splashing all over the place and stuff. And yeah, it, it is actually is pretty exciting. Yeah. The, yeah. the noise, the, the, the movement. Um, uh -huh. And then knowing that it's your baby in there each and every little can you know yeah. because I, I wasn't that long ago i was just creating these recipes in the kitchen of my apartment okay. you know hey what will go good with this blueberry what if we put some rosemary in it um uh -huh. you know and and different mixes with the earl gray we use organic hibiscus flour and that was just fun you know my fiance and i kind of came up with that together just just doing and then seeing something that happens in such an intimate setting like your kitchen mm -hmm. go from this little tiny experience to being stamped out by machines yeah. so that it can spread far and wide and everybody gets their own little version of what we created, you know, out of just a passion for tea. That's a great description of all of that. So I would encourage people to reach out to Pisgah Brewing and schedule a, a tour and try to, and ask if it's going to be canning day. Because like I said, I've seen the process and it's really fun and exciting. And I'm sure there'll be a sample of tea involved with any tour. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Why not? Right. Like I've seen you yeah. handing out samples left and right. I mean, when yeah, we ran I'll into each other, samples. yeah, both times I ran into you, you were like, here's a bunch of samples. And <laughs> uh, and then I looked at your website and there's pictures of you handing out samples to people. So um, this is an exciting time in the history of your company. You're in your second year. You're full of the vim and vigor of life. You're getting it done. You're passionate about your product. And I, I, I'm 
a fan of your product. And I believe that the more people who try it, the more people will like it. So I think you've got a real success story on your hands uh, here, Brad. Thanks, Stu. I appreciate you being one of the first people to really acknowledge that and invite me to do something like that. It's it's to, to be on your podcast. It's fun. It's, it's an exciting. It is an exciting time. It is. Man. We're looking I'm... forward to it. We're uh, we're working on a new drink, hopefully sometime this summer. So be on the lookout for that. It's a okay. little secret, but good surprise in the works. All right, cool. I, I was going to ask if you had new products down the line. So let's have you back on when that one comes out and we'll uh, talk about the new product. And I just want to ask you one last question before I let you go. I mentioned it sort of in the beginning. What is your mate? Like we know what okay. Earl Grey is. It's a black tea and it can't be grown in this region, black tea, as far as I know. And neither can your mate, as far as I know. So what is it no. and where do you get it from? That is correct. So yerba mate is a shade-grown shrub that grows caffeinated leaves. It's native to regions of the Amazon in South America. So unlike many other teas you're used to come from Asia, India, Japan, China, um, this one is South American. And it's known for its high caffeine content. Um, it, it can have two to three times the caffeine of say your traditional green tea. That's going to be around 30 milligrams per cup. Um, it also is high in theobromine, which is the feel good chemical in chocolate. Um, oh. and it, it has lots of beneficial vitamins and minerals in it. It's been consumed traditionally for thousands of years in the Amazon uh, with a, a, a shaved out gourd and a bamboo straw. They'll fill the gourd up with this loose leaf and put the put a, a straw at the bottom with a little filtered slit so the leaves don't get sucked through and they'll just fill it up um, over and over. You can you fill it fill it up several times, you, you drink it and then pour more, more hot water on it. And they would use it to fuel uh, themselves for hunting in the jungle, basically, you know, and over time, it's spread far and wide and made it to North America, where um, it's become it's becoming more and more popular, I guess, in the last several years. Okay, well, thanks. That was a perfect description of what is yerba mate and where does it come from? Thanks, uh, that's great. And so, yeah, caffeine reoccurring in different plants all over the world. Uh, in certain, I would imagine, along a certain belt or something like that around the equator. And I didn't know that about the chem. I knew that there was something in chocolate that releases endorphins and makes you feel good. What was that? You called it the feel good chemical or something? Theobromine. Okay. Is the yeah, and it's um, it's also yeah, it's it's in yerba mate and it's in chocolate, um, yeah, it's just it's it, it's kind of a good energy, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah, um, I, I on my food tours we go into chocolate fetish, we go into chocolate lounge, and I talk about chocolate, and I talk about that good feeling you get from chocolate. So that's great to know that the same reason you get that from chocolate is why you get it from yerba mate and i learned a bunch of stuff about yerba mate today brad thank you so much yeah you're welcome thanks for having me
Sure. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for what you're doing. And we'll catch up with you again. Let me know when your next product comes out. Will do. Thanks again. And anytime you uh, you'd like to have me on, just let me know. I'll be here. All right. All right, man. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Yeah, thanks, Stu. You too. Hey everybody, it's me Stu Helm, food fan. I'm sitting here on my front porch with my friend Lucho. We just got done with an amazing tasting at Tasty Diner, but we're not here to talk about that today. Um, Lucho is the first person I'm talking to about sobriety in the food industry. It's a new segment I'm going to introduce to the podcast and talk to a lot of people about what it's like to be sober to one degree or another in the food industry and my friend Lucho from AshevilleMulticultural.com was the first to raise his hand and say he'd love to talk about that. Hey, Lucho, how you doing today? I'm doing good, brother. Thank you for inviting me to talk about this topic. Sure thing. And you were telling me before I hit the record button, when you saw my post asking people on Facebook if they wanted to talk about this, it made you think of some certain things. Why don't you go ahead and talk about those? Sure. Well, it made me think that in the food industry, uh, it's not that when I started to drink, um, that you use other substances, but it definitely feels to me when I think of it, that was one of the events when I used and abused the most alcohol and substances. And uh, and I do feel like it's a very normalized behavior and somewhat expected in the food industry, the, the people that are part of it. And I think it sucks, but at the same time though, I'm not here to preach about what I think, but rather my experience and how I have chosen to become a sober person now for, um, I guess I'm getting closer to two years. Okay. And it feels great. And it really, also the other thing that I told you earlier is that you were an inspiration to me when I learned that you have been sober for so long and every now and then you will post about it. And I didn't know that I was somewhat going to be inspired by you sharing your experience. So thank you very much. And I hope that me sharing my experience, eventually I would like to talk about this also in Spanish, maybe not with you, but on my own, that hopefully have a positive impact in those people in my community, in the food industry, as well as out of there, but that they have the thought about becoming sober or, or they may be playing with the idea of giving it a shot. Well, that's great. I mean, like the struggle with alcohol, drugs, and other addictive behaviors is real across the board uh, in the country, no matter what industry you work in. But most industries, you're not around alcohol as part of your job the way you are in the food industry. That's part of what makes it a different thing to try to overcome, especially alcohol, when you're working around it. But also, there's a lot of other drugs, and like you said, just an expectation to party when you work in the food industry because there's that camaraderie that you feel at mm -hmm. the end of a shift yeah and then you sometimes you get offered a shift drink by the owner or the management so it's like right after work or sometimes even before work ends you're kicking off your party and with some drinks right there on the premises which is not typical in any other profession well, you're right, and it also makes me think of, I'm not going to say the name of the brand because it's a very well-known brand, 
in the country. But uh, at one point when I live in New York City and I work for this particular business on Fifth Avenue when they were opening, opening day, it was going to be in the morning. I think it was, they opened at noon for the first time, the first store in the U.S. It was a European company that had to do with fashion. They got us all drunk. Yeah. And I thought it was awesome. <laughs> well, I was a kid. Yeah. I was really young. Yeah, this is but they, awesome. They really had us, they, they gave us breakfast and mimosas. Wow. And it was kind of funny because really it was a big boutique kind of thing. <clears throat> and uh, they had the music pumping and it was like you were in a club. Yeah. So before we opened the doors, we were buzzing hardcore. Right. And um, yeah, those were the days. And those that was days. not even in the food industry. Now imagine you actually work in a club, right? Yeah. And you're trying to <laughs> combat your own urges to drink. Now let's talk a little bit about your own personal journey with sobriety because I happen to know something about you and you're a big fan of taking cold showers. <laughs> and we were just joking around that you attribute everything positive in your life to the fact that you started taking cold showers, but I have heard you talk about how it has helped you with your sobriety and other behavioral aspects of your life. Yeah, for sure. I believe that mental health is a big uh, um, elephant in the room, and not only the food industry, but when it comes down to uh, uh, men in, in, of any background. So I feel like for me, somehow... And fortunately enough, truly, I, I feel like I was very lucky the day when my son uh, made me watch this video about a YouTuber that he follows that works out a lot. And that was inspiring. And like I told you earlier, you were also inspiring sharing some of your um, uh, experiences from not drinking. And, and yeah, cold showers have been really good. They have been tough when I started in the winter. And, but ever since, I don't really look back. In fact, it's kind of funny because I just went into a sauna not long ago and a jacuzzi about uh, a week ago, actually. A week, a little bit over a week ago. And it was the first time that I went into hot water. Hmm. Um, and I was a little bit afraid of it, actually. Yeah. But I uh, know it was great. I was able to handle it. I was still like the next day I took a cold shower in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a blessing in disguise for me. Well, there has to be a certain amount of discipline to make yourself take a cold shower in the morning all winter. And uh, staying sober does require some discipline for some people. Of course, everybody's relationship with drugs, alcohol, and sobriety is different. But I, I would imagine that most people have to find some inner discipline to practice sobriety. And it sounds like, you know, the cold showers are at least uh, a daily discipline that is not necessarily fun or easy. It has become fun and easier. <laughs> it has, though. It really yeah, has. I know. It definitely makes me feel very awake, as you uh, can imagine. But it also helps me with that soreness of my body. And also it's very inspiring to me to understand now that my son looks up to me. And I know that there's a lot of things that I regret in my past life. Even when I was a child his age, I when I compare myself to my son, I believe my son is, um, how can I put it? Even my voice changes there. Kind yeah. of weird. Because I definitely sense that I was not as sweet as my son is. And I can now definitely uh, recognize some of the trauma that I had to experience. And also some of the behaviors that I adopted. And being seeing my child uh, such um, an angelic being is very inspiring. And I do feel like um, 
he did not deserve to have a dad that was like abusing a, a alcohol or any other substance and I want to be 100% with him at all times that's great man so you've named as inspiration this old geezer sitting right next to you <laughs> yeah definitely. Uh, some guy on YouTube who's into fitness and cold showers Brownie and then England. your your own son uh, whom you want to be a better dad for yeah, and for I sure. think that uh, you know I'm I'm honored to be part of that uh, grouping of people and I do believe that talking about sobriety is inspiring for other people to to think about it if not do it themselves so thank you for talking to me about it Lucho and we'll I definitely want to encourage you to talk about it in Spanish for the Spanish community that's in the food industry who are faced with the same struggles that everybody in the food industry is and uh Everybody needs to know that there's a lot of us in the same boat. For sure. I yeah. agree, brother. Yeah. All right. Thanks again, Lucho. Have a great night. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Later. That was nice, man. Yeah. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show this week. But before we go, I want to talk to you about our trip to Black Mountain. Now, Black Mountain is a small town just outside of Asheville, North Carolina, and Black Mountain is a beautiful little town. It's got a cute vintage downtown. I would guess that most of the buildings in downtown were built somewhere between the late 1800s and the 1930s, uh, right before the Depression hit. Uh, that was the big heyday in this part of the country. That's when Western North Carolina was booming and Asheville grew and so did the towns around Asheville and Black Mountain still has a lot of cute buildings and a lot of those buildings are full of cute stores and restaurants and cafes and such and it actually has a great food scene a, a growing food scene that just seems to be getting better and better and bigger and bigger i mean it's always been kind of great so it's getting bigger and bigger more choices and i planned a two night three day trip to black mountain with my wife dawn and we stayed right downtown and um we i walked to a bunch of restaurants dawn goes on long runs every day so while she was running i walked to a bunch of restaurants and then we got together after her runs and we did things in Black Mountain, including eating at restaurants. And I want to review three of the restaurants that we ate at while we were in Black Mountain. Now, we I'll get to the others another time. I just don't have time to talk to you about them right now, but I'll record another segment. This is like Black Mountain Part 1, I guess. Um, and these three restaurants were the ones where we had the, our big meals, like our big dinners and such, or just that was it, our big dinners. And they were the Pure and Proper on our first night, which is located inside of an old school, really cute, tiny little pure gas station. Uh, you know, no longer serving gas, obviously, but uh, serving. <laughs> I just said serving gas. Um, <laughs> but anyways, it's a really cute building, limited seating and uh, high recommends for that. And I'll get back to it in a minute. The next night we ate at Milton's, which is a restaurant inside of the Monte Vista Hotel right downtown. That was a surprise gold mine um, of delicious dishes and 
great atmosphere. And again, I'll talk more specifically about that in just a minute. And then last, I'll get to um, the grocery. That's what it's called, the grocery. Uh, and that's just on the other side of the tracks from downtown. It's walkable from downtown, 100%. And it is, um, it is, well, actually, I don't know if it's walkable. We drove over there. Uh, so don't, Quote me on that right there. But get over anyways. It's not that far of a drive from downtown Black Mountain, like two seconds. But uh, it's it's got a grocery store with dry goods, uh, meat, sausage that they make in-house. And in fact, uh, one of the owners introduced himself as the sausage king of Black Mountain, North Carolina. Uh, he said that with a little bit of hint of sarcasm in his voice. But, hey, let's have a sausage throw down Black Mountain. I I'm happy to volunteer my services to judge. And uh, and so they've got a lot of grocery items, wine and stuff in the grocery store. And then there's a bar slash restaurant attached. And it turns out I know the chef at this one. Uh, he is uh, used to work at the AC Hotel. And they were super excited to see us come. Uh, and I'll get back to the food at the grocery in just a minute, but let's get back to the pure and proper. When you go there, book your reservation online is my tip to you because then you get to choose your seating. And I was psyched to see that the chef's table was available. Chef's table is a little tiny bar, seats two people. And in this case, or this the chef's table is different in every restaurant, but in this case, that's what it is, a little bar that faces the restaurant. It faces actually the window to the restaurant. And while we did chat a little bit with the chef, you, that's not really what you do in the chef's window. It's not like social hour. You just uh, have a little peek into the kitchen and you get to see service and it's really interesting. And I love it when it's available. I always hope that it doesn't make anybody nervous when we sit in the chef's table window. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm not there to harass the chef, just there to kind of like, have fun and um sorry about that turning off my phone uh and so recommend that and then just quickly the dishes we had an arugula salad super recommend something called shrimp agua chile agua chile uh really good marinated shrimp not like fire cooked but like brine cooked or whatever you call it griddled asparagus with miso and that was a superstar dish and then the braised pork shoulder was an even bigger superstar dish. It was just fantastic. Oh, I'm sorry, braised pork cheek. I'll get to some pork shoulder later in the reviews. The braised pork cheek, which came on a charred leek, pile of charred leek grits and was just to die for. And then finally, nudie with crab salad and a nice cream sauce and that it's the food just got better and better and better. It started great with the arugula salad. And by the time we got to this nudie, it was just uh, so good just to die for. So get all of that. Dawn got a Manhattan and a glass of wine. She was very happy with both. The food looked beautiful, tasted great. There are other seating options you can choose outdoor, indoor, something I think that's called the wine room. There's a little porch on the back you can sit on. Uh, there's just a lot of cute options, and it's a great restaurant, and I believe that the menu is the kind that you could go in, and if it looks and sounds good to you, you're going to like it, right? They're going to make it, and it's going to be good. So four, four stars for them, 
uh, let's let's do a five star rating system. Five stars for them, and then Milton's also five stars for Milton's. I was surprised it is inside the hotel, uh, and that's not you. Sometimes that ain't a great thing, right? The hotel restaurant's not always great, but this came highly recommended to me, and I am glad I took a chance and made a reservation and kept the reservation. Uh, I'd sometimes I, I considered canceling it just because I wasn't sure that Dawn was going to be happy with it. But she took a look at the menu. We looked at the menu together and she was all good with it. And I'm glad we stuck with it because for one thing, I think they would have been really sad if we canceled because it turns out they really were expecting us and were super psyched to see us. And they were wanting to trot out a bunch of food for us to try. So we ordered some stuff. I ordered the tenderloin steak. It was to die for, like just like eating a, a big piece of butter made out of meat. It was so tender and juicy and delicious. And they made a house-made steak sauce for it. Don ordered some grilled vegetables or some roasted vegetables. It was called, I think, the Flavors of Spring. And, of course, it went great with the steak. There were salads. There was a kale salad with roasted tomato and grit croutons that were piping hot straight out of the deep fryer there was and then there was a strawberry goat cheese and bib lettuce salad there were fried cauliflower which is so old school and in fact this whole meal was so old school but with like contemporary takes on old school favorites but not like super avant-garde like cutting edge contemporary takes but just like staying within the contemporary culinary world but making old school like resort food classics. And you all know when I say resort food, I mean that in the highest regard. I freaking love resort food. But anyways, good resort food, you know, I got good standards, but took me up some fancy stuff. And this was fancy stuff, make no mistake. Um, and uh, and what else? Oh, a plowman's board, which was cheese, a real, two really big, nice pieces of really well-cooked pork belly pickles and stuff like that on this plowman's board it was delicious everything was delicious and then dessert which was some carrot cake and then a small bites plate and i particularly recommend the small bites plate because it was a little bit of everything from their dessert menu and i am not the hugest fan of carrot cake but their carrot cake was really good a lot of carrot a lot of cake not a ton of frosting which is the way i like it and the frosting was really good so that was our experience at Milton's. Again, the service was awesome. We sat in the courtyard. I recommend that on a nice night. It was a little chilly, but we were seated right next to the fireplace. And Don stayed warm, which is the test. If Don is warm enough, then it's all good. And everything was fantastic. And you can read more detailed reviews of all of this food on Facebook and to a lesser degree, but to some degree on Instagram. Uh, and finally... Getting, so five stars for Milton's, five stars for Pure and Proper. And now let's get to the grocery. I'll give them another five stars too, because the atmosphere inside and out was really nice, really homey. Uh, like the patio, very comfortable, beautiful trees get, providing shade, uh, bricks, level, level bricks, no wobbly tables. Uh, the inside was tiny, but had a cute little bar. It had a bright pink deer head on the wall that was pretty interesting and uh mounted like mounted taxidermied head uh and it was really cute 
and the food was to die for. A lot of sort of New Orleans twists on other stuff, and there was boudin sausage, and that was the only one that wasn't made in-house by the self-professed sausage king. Uh, that was, um, they, they quote-unquote import that from New Orleans so uh to keep it authentic there was a dirty rice stuffed mushroom cap with a veal demi-glace that was just awesome there was uh now now there was some braised pork shoulder um that was yeah it was a goulash but to me it tasted almost more like a pot roast and it was on spatzel housemade spatzel it was one of the best things I've ever put in my mouth in my life. I am, I'm right now. I'm just like, Oh God, I want it. So get that when you go to the grocery for sure. And then there was some old school crab or shrimp salad. By that, I mean, it was really creamy. It was like almost like heavily mayonnaise. And I used to get this stuff inside a half of an avocado back in the nineties. And it was one of my all time favorite things and so this came with some of those long buttery sort of toll house crackers i think they're called super old school like almost grandma style and super good um there was corn salad there was pickled watermelon that was really tasty everything there there was gumbo and etouffee both were great and then a little off the new orleans thing there was some eggplant parmesan or a take on it that was super tasty so this meal at grocery, we got small portions of just about everything on their small menu. I cannot recommend it highly enough. It was so delicious. Get to grocery, get to Milton's, get to the Pure and Proper, get to Black Mountain. I would say spend, like even if you live locally like we do, Find a cheap room, stay two nights, and spend three days in Black Mountain. You won't regret it. It's beautiful. Uh, surrounded by mountains, of course, on all sides. And the mountains around here, you can you can climb these mountains without a lot of specialty equipment. <laughs> Unless you want to do that, there's places you can do some rock climbing. But around here, you can walk right to the top of most of these mountains. And we did walk some trails and some light hikes, and it was great. So super high recommends for Black Mountain. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to the show this week. Thank you to my guests for being on the show. And uh, thank you, WPVM 103.7 FM, the voice of Asheville broadcasting to the world for taking my humble podcast and turning it into a radio podcast. Folks, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Substack. Listen to my podcast on Substack where it's archived and read my newsletter there. So sign up for my newsletter pay for my newsletter if you want to support me it helps me to stay editorially independent all right y'all have a oh one last thing if you eat something good find a way to contact me and let me know about it because i'll want to eat it too all right y'all have a great week i'll check in with you next time bye
this episode of the Food Fans Radio Show was underwritten in part by Asheville Food Tours. Did you know that there are over 200 places to eat and drink in downtown Asheville alone? It can be overwhelming. Whether you're a visitor or a local, there's no better way to experience downtown Asheville than taking a food tour with Asheville Food Tours. Details, pricing, and an easy-to-use calendar can be found at AshevilleFoodTours.com. That's AshevilleFoodTours.com.